Hi, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hey, everyone. So today, we've got a lot to talk about because we the entire oh, set yeah. of Battle Bond was spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going to start off by talking about the new legendary creatures and also the planeswalkers that can be commanders. Yeah, which is exciting. I'm going to count all the partners as multicolor just for the purposes of this podcast. Yeah. So we're going to start with Grothama All Devouring, <laughs> uh, which is 3GG for a 10-8 worm. Other creatures have, when this creature attacks, you may have it fight Grothama All Devouring. And when Grothama leaves the battlefield, each player draws cards equal to the amount of damage dealt to Grothama this turn by sources they control. <laughs> So that might take you a moment to process. So here's the bottom line. Anyone can, when their creatures attack, have it fight Grothama. If Grothama succumbs, those creatures' controller draws cards. Mm -hmm. So I think this is a pretty interesting commander. It's it's very strange. Yeah. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, so this totally struck me as very strange. It, it The first thing is it's a very cheap and very large powered creature. Mm -hmm. So it's really easy to just, this is your win condition. But then on top of that, the card drawing, like kind of solving the puzzle of like how best to get the card draw out of this is super rad. And mm -hmm. I think there's actually a lot of, especially in green, there's a lot of decent ways to kind of eke that out. Uh, I don't actually think your opponent will be able to just wrath their board and draw a bunch of cards most of the time yeah um which is i think the biggest like strike against this card is that you would play it and then your opponent attacks it and kills it and draws a bunch of cards but like if you think about a normal game especially on the turn four or five maybe the aggro deck has enough power to kill it mm -hmm. but most decks won't i think it's better than it looks on first glance when you see everything can fight this i think that actually is a little bit easier to get value out of it. It slots really in, easily into really big commanders. So like Jared, Gerard, um, the Zenagos. Zenagos. Yeah, <laughs> Zenagos is pretty good. Galta, the, anyone who's large or makes things very large. Mm -hmm. But then as a commander, you also have cool. I don't know. I'll let you say some words now. It's <laughs> uh, all right. I think there's a couple ways you can build around this guy. So the first is definitely like a Voltron build because the stat. Yeah. To cost ratio is so efficient so insane yeah um like it's there are a couple ways where you can just realistically get this down on like turn three you yeah. know like turn two devoted druid or mm -hmm. like turn one tree speaker turn two level turn three yeah here it is yeah that's not even that weird so and and if you're focusing on getting him down as early as possible mm -hmm. then oh uh, you can also gaia's touch Oh, yeah, yeah, that card's awesome. Ritual yourself. So the thing is, if you're getting him down really early, then there's just no way that your opponents are going to be able to have enough of a board presence to send an army over. Yeah, definitely. Him. Basically, the drawback becomes nil mm -hmm. in the really early turns of the game, and you can just berserk it and give it plus one, <laughs> and someone dies. Yes, wonderful. So that's one cool way to build around it. It's also, uh, there's a couple commanders in this set that have that say when this commander leaves the battlefield. I like that they were really thinking about commander. Yeah. Honestly, I, th I think that, like, commanders just shouldn't have death triggers ever. Yeah. Because yeah. it's so unintuitive 
for mm-hmm. new players when they first try Commander. It's like, oh, if I actually want this thing, I have to leave him in the graveyard. And then I didn't think about that when I was building my deck. It, it's just leading to a bad time yeah. in most scenarios. Like this, it does exactly what you want it to do. You get to be happy. And it also leaves room open for additional ways of farming his trigger. Um, (laughs) So, for example, like Teemer Sabretooth. Oh, yeah, you don't even have to just kill it. Yeah, you can, if you, like, bounce it. And there's also, you know, a decent number of creatures in green that want to die. So you can use Grothama as a sack outlet, throw your Gamekeeper at him, throw your Protean Hulk at him, (laughs) throw your, like, Seed Guy Dash, World Shaper... There's plenty of decent green cards that are happy to die. So you get value when your creature dies, and then you get value when you, like, bounce, grow Thama, Mm -hmm. draw more cards. And then, of course, there are some sweet sack outlets you can always... It's no coincidence that they put greater good in the yeah, same set. Yeah, I was going to say that that seems pretty good now. You just, like, throw some guys who wanted to die at him, and then bounce or sack it or whatever. That's pretty nuts. Yeah, so I uh, <laughs> so I'm high on this card. I think it's a really sweet, interesting design and uh, builds into a cool commander deck. Yeah, it has some pretty metal art too. It's gigantic. Oh yeah, and, and it's mouse. flavorful. Like that's yeah. that's another benefit. Yeah, I'm I'm into this card. I'm I'm happy it exists. Yeah. So uh, moving on to uh, I guess this is I probably should have put this after the partner commanders because it's five color yeah yeah uh whatever yeah the blade blossom uh two and a red for a three two human warrior whenever a warrior attacks you may have its controller create a one one white warrior creature token that's tapped and attacking and then you can pay wooberg untap all attacking creatures (laughs) they gain trample lifelink and haste until end of turn (laughs) after this phase there is an additional combat phase activate this ability only during combat yeah, <laughs> I get so many text messages from people f- who were freaking out about this card and are never going to build it. <laughs> They're like, think of all the ways you can abuse that. And I was like, yeah, there's there's definitely ways. There's, there's a couple good ones. There are some ones. I, th- I do actually think that it's pretty spicy. Like, this is actually kind of a, a, like a Wooberg commander that I'm more okay with. So I, I did some research. So let's get this out of the way quickly. Uh, Breath of Fury that yeah. goes infinite with it because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. every combat step you get a new token that you or can multiple. put the Breath of Fury on. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Or multiple. There's also, of course, Druid's Repository. Yeah, that's the big one, um, the cool one. Yeah, so that's whenever a creature you control attacks, put a charge counter on it. You can remove charge counters from mana of any color. Yeah. So if you have five attackers, which you know, this commander, of course creates more attackers for you Mm -hmm. then you can just continually activate her ability every combat step so i uh i think she's great i uh i really like this commander what are are your thoughts kind of the same it's interesting the different ways you can go because you could go like super ham just throwing everything that earthcraft every way possible to untap lands or get mana through extra guys Mm -hmm. in there fortunately they they did think about Earthcraft because they have untap all attacking creatures, so you can't... Oh, it doesn't untap the ones that aren't attacking? That aren't attacking, yeah. So you can't, like, Cryptolith right Earthcraft to... Oh, yeah, but <laughs> if, you're, if your guys... Like, this is the hard mode, because if you're, your guys have well, to Well, first live. you give them Vigilance, <laughs> step one. <laughs> and then you go for it, yeah. Um, so I, I do like that that is one way. You can just go super ham on the uh, combo, mm-hmm. just taking infinite combats. I mean, that's probably what you should do, or you should probably honestly have one of those cards in your deck. I do like that you 
like a new player could open this, see it, and be like, "Wow, this is cool," and just like make a warrior deck mm -hmm. out of it, and just get a bunch of tokens and like get value that way. I, I like that you are comboing in a more aggressive sense, and the tribal reward actually is pretty worth it. Yeah, when you do actually build into it. There are yeah, there's some other decent tribal rewards. Um, Raider's spoil. Is, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, is an amazing card. And there's, of course, just some uh, smaller, you know, Anthem effects, like Chief of the Edge, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. I did a little bit of research leading up to this just to see, like, what are the sweet warriors in each color. There's some decent utility among oh, warriors. Yeah, yeah. I won't. Fleshbag Marauder is a warrior, which, of course, synergizes with the token-making ability. Yeah. Um, Merciless Executioner <laughs> is a warrior. There's more Anthem-type effects, like Goblin Wardriver, Goblin Bushwhacker. That's so funny. There's some general... Uh, Luvisa Cold Eyes is not herself a warrior, but of course Pumps works really well. Warriors, with, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's some other warrior token generation, like uh, Mardu Strike Leader. He's in there. Oh, Metallic Mimic is oh. great <laughs> in this deck. Yeah, wow. Quite good. Uh, Ogre Battle Driver is yeah. great in this build. So there's just there's a lot going on. Just my cursory... Gatherer searching found fifty cards that I would not be embarrassed to run. In a yeah, deck. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh, Bramble with Paragon. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Your that... Second copy of Metallic Mimic. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that she makes tokens so easily and so cheaply. Yeah, means that um, because you can potentially be making multiple per combat step. There's a lot to be done in terms of sack outlets. Oh yeah, like you know, I would happily run attrition in this deck, and then yeah. you know, use my shitty warriors to snipe down their like valuable blockers. Yeah, two drop warriors seem really important to this deck yeah. because you want to like have a something that can attack and trigger her on the very first turn you drop her. Mm -hmm. But there aren't as many solid two drop warriors as i was hoping for there's some but some of them secretly high have a higher mana cost like uh oh yeah hidden dragon slayer there, there's some other things that can uh that aren't two drops that trigger her but you can run like you know lightning greaves hall of bandit lord and if she's attacking that's fine yeah yeah because she's still yeah okay cool yeah but that's uh, awesome so a lot can be done to build around her my main i do have like a, a criticism of her design yeah i would prefer for colors to be the bare minimum or for commanders to be the bare minimum number of colors needed to like do their thing to do their thing yeah and there are just like blue is not really a warrior's color mm -hmm. i did a little bit of research prior to the re release of battle bond there were 41 blue warriors in magic so 21 of those had a mono blue color identity mm -hmm. the, you know, half of all blue warriors are just blue is thrown in as like the third color yeah. in this wedge card, you know what yeah. I mean? And then of those warriors with a mono blue color identity, 14 of 21 were printed for the first time within the last two years. Wow. What? Really? Yeah. So Amonkhet had a lot of blue warriors. There were just a ton of Nagas that were warriors because... Oh. Um, yeah, that's really weird. And then uh, the River Heralds in Ixalan, a lot of them were warriors. Oh, yeah. No, that actually, I remember seeing that now. I accidentally, I thought I was signing up for a Dominaria draft on Arena, and mm -hmm. it was Rivals. <laughs> and I remember seeing all these warriors. Yeah, I think part of it is because 
the, some of the normal creature types for blue were off limits. You can't have rogues in a set with pirates yeah. <laughs> because it would just make it clear how extraneous and unnecessary the pirate like, creature type is. Blue is not a warrior color. It doesn't make sense. It's mm-hmm. the least warrior-y. Like, there's a reason that the aggro deck in the four-color commander series was not blue. Like, blue is just yeah. not the color you think of. I think this could have been a four-color commander that made sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. And given that there is so little design space for four-color commanders, the fact that they were happily just ignored that, that opportunity yeah. and just made another five-color card, like, there's so many... It's it's a lot easier to de- design five-color cards than it is to design four-color cards. That's and if totally they're trying true. to, like, expand magic space as much as they can and only make... You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, the only make cards that can fit in those spaces, why would you spoil it? I think, do you think, well, okay, this is my question. Do you think that they made this five color because people would freak out if it was the only four color card in the set? Do you think that as a standalone card, people see five color and go, oh, wow, that's cool. But if they saw four color, they'd be like, what's going on? <laughs> like freak out. Uh, maybe, that that hadn't occurred to me that what I was thinking was, they wanted their tribal thing to go across all colors. If you look mm-hmm. at Battle Bond, a lot of the blue car, a lot of the blue creatures are warriors, and I don't think they did that in the opposite direction. I don't think they made a five-color warrior commander and then were like, "We should add a lot of blue warriors." I think they had a lot of blue warriors and then was like, "Okay, well, yeah, might as well." Yeah, yeah. Wow, this is I did not realize it's a surprising this surprising number. Yeah, yeah, because the it, they're all cards where like the creature type doesn't matter. Moving on, we're going to get into the partners now. I think it's not really worth talking about just them as a single commander. No, I think it's pretty boring, yeah. Yeah, because A, they're designed to work together. A lot of them don't even do that much if you're not if yeah. you don't have the the other color and or com- partner. And also, like, I didn't really talk about this when partner was first introduced, but it's strictly better to run a partner than not run a partner mm-hmm. almost like regardless of what the partner does no yeah i totally agree with that like most partners offer an additional color and running more colors is better even though i prefer when decks have fewer colors i recognize that more colors is better yeah it, it's just your deck will be more competitive if you have to access to more things and then in addition to that having and this is very minor, but yeah. having 98 cards... <laughs> is a lot better. ...is better than having 99 cards, because yeah. you're just more likely to draw your best card. You, you can just chuck your wor- the worst card in your deck in the trash can. Yeah, and this actually... I know people sometimes... Uh, this comes up... It's more extreme and limited with, like, the 41st card in your limited deck or, like, the 61st card in your constructed deck. But there is an actual, like, appreciable difference percentage-wise when you do have that one extra card... And for Commander, it's probably only going to be somewhere around, like, 2 or 3%. But that's still 2 or 3% more of the time that you're going to get the cards that you want. Where in Limited, it actually is, like, a lot more. It's, like, 5 or 6%, something like that. But, no, that is... It's still, like... It's... If you played 100 games with your deck, you would notice a difference if you had the partner Commanders as opposed to... Maybe you're just like, I just want to play Red-Green. Yeah, and and, there, and some and also there's just the benefit of like sometimes you're gonna get priced out of one commander, and then have the option to do the other because sometimes yeah. you just want a fucking creature on the battlefield. Yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah we're we're not gonna waste our time talking about the mono black crab deck or the yeah the mono, mono white regna deck. Mono white regna is incredibly boring compared to the two of them together. Yeah, the two of them together do everything mono white does but more. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah, so let's, let's, yeah, let's introduce talk about these cards. Him. Yeah, so Crab the, the Unredeemed uh, is four and a black for a 3-3 demon. And it has partner with Regna and black sacrifice X creatures. Target player draws X cards and gains X life. Put X plus plus one counters on Crab the Unredeemed. What does Regna do? Yeah, so Regna is a 4-4 flyer for six. That's five and a white. She's an angel, and she has at the beginning of each end step... If your team gained life this turn, create two 1-1 one, one white warrior creature tokens. That's very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think both of these commanders are very strong. I wouldn't be surprised if they found their way into other decks. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think Regna is a great life gain reward, and I can imagine her finding totally. a place in, like, Karlov or something. Yeah. Or uh, maybe Aloro. Any commander that can easily... Or Kumball. Kumball. Oh, yeah. That actually is really great. Uh, so any commander that can easily gain life is going to be happy with Regna, or gain life repeatedly. And then Crab the Unredeemed is an awesome, awesome sack outlet. Yes. This is exactly what you want out of a sack outlet, is just converting creatures very easily into cards. That's what he does. Mm -hmm. I can definitely imagine him being run in decks with lots of sack fodder. Yeah, and and he also it's it's not even just the cards. Like he brings you back with life. So mm -hmm. like you he pads you from losing the creatures you lost. So all of a sudden like losing whatever zero ones, one ones you have lying around like as blockers, like doesn't matter as much. And then also he gets big. Mm -hmm. So it's just everything. It's like so perfect. I think the this combination this combination of partners you can build anywhere along a spectrum between Tesa, Orzov Scion, mm -hmm. and Karlov of the Ghost Council. Yeah. Because Regna is so good at generating sack fodder, so she works really well with sack outlets, mm -hmm. skull clamp, attrition, those kinds of things. And Crab wants sack fodder mm -hmm. to eat and generate cards. And then on the other side, you can try to focus more on the incidental life gain stuff, like the mm -hmm. Soul Warden type effects. And then maybe try to use your warriors as aggro. So there's a lot of potential with these two commanders because you've got a ton of bodies and you also have a way to convert bodies into to resources. Yeah. Commander, there's kind of always been a white-black like life gain deck that kind of has wanted to exist. Mm -hmm. And Karlov kind of hit in that space, but not really because you gain life, but not necessarily because you, with Karlov, you kind of win with Karlov. Mm -hmm. Like, you exile guys with Karlov, he attacks, he gets really big real fast. Karlov does Karlov stuff, where these two in particular seem like you're going to build a lot of those life gain rewards, and mm -hmm. that's kind of the point is you're going to build a lot of those really cool sack outlets or sack outlets that gain you life or things that deal with creatures or give your creatures life link, whatever. This seems like a much more cool, focused version of life gain. But yeah, this is definitely, like, I'm very happy to see that this exists and these two exist because mm -hmm. this is actually a really cool archetype to build into. Yeah, and I like that you don't have to have both of them on the battlefield at the same time. Getting them both on the battlefield, that's 11 mana. That is huge they definitely yeah. learned their lesson from the past partner commanders yes. you don't have your one partner commander that gives you green and blue and draws cards yeah. at, for like at two mana yeah. and then your black and white commander that draws you also draws you cards for three, three mana yeah. i'm glad that they were more careful with costing these partners but yeah i like that you know, you can fill your deck with things that synergize with either of these commanders, and then based on your draw, figure out which one you want to cast. Mm -hmm. 
I'm happy with that pair of commanders. Let's move on to the next pair, which is a little less exciting. Oh, yeah. So these are Sylvia Brightspear and Corvath Brightflame. Sylvia Brightspear is two and a white for a 2-2 double striker that says, Dragons, your team controls have double strike. What is Corvath Brightflame? Yeah, so Corvath Brightflame is a 3-4 flying haste for six, five and a red, that has knights your team controls have flying in haste. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned this, but Sylvia is a knight and Corvath is a dragon. Yes. So they do affect each other. <laughs> what are your thoughts on th this pair of commanders? Um, this is, I mean, obviously, like it tells you right in the text box, this is a tribal build. But actually, like this tribal build, this isn't a build I'm going to do. Knight commanders are kind of, haven't really existed. Mm -hmm. And then pairing that with like the bigger dragon set, like I kind of can see who they were giving this commander pair to. And I can imagine someone being extremely excited about that. Mm -hmm. But honestly, like, just building into the dragons, like, having white for, like, stuff and then giving all your dragons double strike seems a little bit better than giving all your knights, like, Absolutely. flying in first strike, or I, flying in haste. I, I completely agree. So we've, we've talked a little bit before about the appropriateness of tribal rewards. Yeah. And I don't think that Corvath's reward, the, the flying and haste for knights, is like really is what knights are looking for. No, especially at six mana. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like why, like knights are ch way, way cheaper than Corvath. You're going to get all, you're going to curve out your knights on turns one through five. And then you drop your six drop, and hey, guess what? All these guys lose their summoning sickness that they already <laughs> lost four turns ago. Wow. So the, the haste is baffling. It makes no sense why you would have a six drop that grants haste. <coughs> Kologon, Kologon. Kologon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So not a huge fan of that aspect of it. And then I just don't think the knights care that much about flying. I mean, evasion is good if you're yeah. having a lot of small guys, but... I, I wouldn't... I would not build the... It's not enough. I would not put a bunch of knights in this deck. I would put a few knights that have utility maybe i just don't know if it's ever like really worth it to cast corvath yeah it seems like this is a dragon deck that splashes for oh it's a three cost anthem that doubles all my dragon's power yeah yeah so i mean it's it's cool as another option for dragons yes no that, that is the big thing is i think it's this is like a white red dragons build and it will be very good, because when your dragons have double strike, that's very good. Yeah, they hit hard. You steal their artifacts twice yeah. with Hellkite Tyrant. <laughs> wow. On you wrath their board twice with uh, Balefire. Balefire Dragon. Yeah. Incredible. So, yeah, I wish that they'd put a little bit more thought into balancing these. It would be yeah. great if, A, we've talked about this before, but mm -hmm. I don't like when you're trying to reward two different things. Yeah. Yeah, which is what this does. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, okay, do I put knights or dragons in my deck? And then if you're a new player, you, you'll have this weird conundrum. And if you're an experienced <laughs> player, you're going to see, oh, one of these rewards is wildly better than yeah. the other. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the, I think they could have thought a little bit harder about this one. Uh, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. The, I... Oh, speaking of unbalanced partners. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's do this. Uh, Virtus the Veiled and Gorm the Great. <laughs> So, Virtus the Veiled is two and a black for a 1-1 Azra Assassin. It has Death Touch, and whenever Virtus the Veiled deals combat damage to a player, that player loses half their life rounded up. Wow. 
and then Gorm the Great uh, is a 2-7 Vigilance for 4, a 3 and a green, and has Gorm the Great must be blocked if able, and Gorm must be blocked by two or more creatures if able. What is your opinion on, on these <laughs> I mean, like, I see what they're trying to do here with Gorm, like, block Gorm, and then Virtus, Virtus. in. But Virtus is, that's, like, that's so much better. Yeah. Like, oh, man, like, two seven for, for four, like, okay, cool, that's, like, pretty good value, I guess, maybe, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then you look over at Virtus, oh. My three job deals 20 damage. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. So I completely agree. Gorm seems useless except for <laughs> adding green to your color identity. Yeah, yeah. Like um, you get to play Lanoir Elves and drop Virtus one turn earlier. That's pretty sweet. Um, yeah, I, I do think there will be instances where like a seven toughness blocker will be good. And I do think, especially late game, I can imagine a scenario where you're like, all right, everyone, Gorm's coming out. And then, like, you get your, like... You have no cards in hand. Yeah. Immediately following the Ogen of Night's Reach, you're like, okay, here I got we, this. Here we go, yeah. And then you spend it's your, like... you, Gorm. You spend your... Oh, then you spend your nine mana on your Virtus after, like, being <laughs> wrath, and then And then you win that way. Yeah. But I, I really don't see casting Gorm that often. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, the, the deck seems pretty self-explanatory, bunch of one-drop accelerants to get Virtus down a little bit sooner, ways to give him evasion. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're feeling tricky, you can run Final Punishment or Wound Reflection. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Get him. Uh, but yeah, it seems pretty simple deck. Okay, here's an interesting pair. Yeah, I like these guys. Uh, go ahead and read that one. Oh yeah, so this is, I'm pretty sure this is Zinderspult. Uh, Eye of Wisdom. Uh, and Zinderspult is a 1-4 homunculus for 5, a 4 and a blue, with, at the beginning of combat on your turn, flip a coin until you lose a flip. And then whenever a player wins a coin flip, draw a card. Okan, Eye of Chaos, is his partner. Okan is a 3-3 three, three for 5. That's 4 and a red. He's a Cyclops Berserker. <laughs> and he has, at the beginning of combat on your turn, flip a coin until you lose a flip. And whenever a player wins a coin flip, double Okan's power and toughness until end of turn. <laughs> Um, what are your thoughts? Man, I actually do like that these guys exist. Mm -hmm. I think that the goofy... I, I think this plays into an archetype that hasn't existed yet of red-blue coin flips and, like, goofy things. Mm -hmm. People love that. That hasn't existed. I think these two guys are actually decent. Randomly drawing, a sh like, a bunch of cards is pretty cool. And then just there are a bunch of coin flip cards where you can kind of force how many coins get flipped. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of arbitrary. So it is basically a combo deck. And then, like, you don't even really have to attack or anything like that to win, like, Chandra's Ignition yeah. on, like, a big Ocon. One note I want to throw out there really quickly. Uh, note that they both go infinite with Frenetic Afrit. Yes. And, uh, yep, yep. yeah, you might have been clued into that by the fact that Frenetic Afrit jumped from $0.50 cents to $10 overnight. <laughs> uh, if you got your, uh, like, MTG Finance yeah. RSS feed going. Ooh, wow. But I really wish that the rates were better on these cards. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The 5 is pretty big. So 5 for... So, for example, with Ocon, half the time he's going to be a 5-cost 3-3. Three, three. Half the time he's going to go into combat as maybe a 5-cost 6-6, six, six, yeah. maybe a little bit bigger... But really, for a vanilla commander, which is essentially what he is, it's mm -hmm. just a vanilla creature, like, you 
you ought to be getting a better rate for this. Yeah, yeah, this is not, like, you're not really just casting him to, like, get value yeah. like that. Like, compare this to Grun the Lonely King. Yeah. <laughs> like, Grun always attacks as a 10-10 for 6. So I don't I don't like that the rate, I don't think the rate on him was very good. Zinderspilt, same deal. 5 mana to draw half of a card. <laughs> yeah no so the the Once reason turn. i think that so this is the real reason i'm okay with these guys is that like yes there are people they're gonna like get their freed out and draw an absurd number of cards and combat mm-hmm. or whatever but um they're expensive because like these are supposed to appeal to the casual player so the fact that these are meant to not this is really a bone to like please don't optimize me like look at how bad i am yeah like that's really what this is and i i like kind of appreciate that a little bit like i know that kind of sucks but at the same time i see why they did it so i under <laughs> i mean i understand that it's definitely part of wizards with design philosophy that mm-hmm. you need to figure out who a card is supposed to appeal to yeah. and then make sure it does that so spike hates coin flipping cards yes yeah this is bad (laughs) yeah so to make a like very efficient coin flipping card is going is going to really piss spike off because it's like (laughs) well it's so good that i have to play it and then i just have to suffer through my games half of them sucking and half of them going well yeah (laughs) it's like the stitch in time scenario (laughs) um so I i do understand that but the thing is there are very few coin flipping cards in Magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like 61 in Magic. If you cut out the, the silver border cards and the anti cards and the ones that aren't in red blue, you're down to like 55. And <laughs> a lot of them are just very, very bad. Yes, they are so weak, so overcosted. They don't half of. They're all like half of them don't do anything. Yeah, on their own, yeah. definitely. I mean, the so, what is... so like if you're going to incentivize players to run those cards, mm-hmm. then please you can throw them a little bit of a bone by making it so that their command these commanders yeah. aren't also overcosted and yeah. weak like like i i like commander decks that is like hey you know that set of cards that isn't good enough for commander play well what if i show you what if you what can if always this... have this card in your hand yeah Do they become good enough now yeah that's great it expands like the diversity of the, the of format, cards yeah. in the format yeah but the thing is if the commanders aren't good enough if the, if the reward is not sufficient yeah then it, it fails to add anything to so the format the, the one, this is a trap yeah oh well, i th- that's the thing that uh, this is my caveat for this is that i wonder how much they actually played with these cards because i like if you can reliably flip three or four coins a turn then maybe like may, i don't i haven't s- thought of this deck list i just saw them and it went like huh, funny and kept moving there is a chance that you can do i don't know if you you've looked this up yet either well i i did do a little bit of research and i that when i say this statement that coin flip cards are very weak <laughs> um i do I, have a little bit of you know research to back it up because i can only think of a few like fiery gambit and squeeze revenge were two mm-hmm. that came to mind uh i mean looks I, some oozes we got some ooze fighting I mean, a chance. lot of them are just like one time instance that hey get half the time this card does nothing yeah or like once a turn thing so that that was really the thing that i was wondering about was they look overcosted to like not be good like mm-hmm. on purpose but i was wondering if you could somehow assemble a critical mass 
and actually get the value for the cost, but I don't I know mean, if it's true. Yeah, the thing is, there's not a lot of unbounded, aside from mana screw, <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot of unbounded coin flipping, like flip as many coins as you want. Yeah. It's really just frenetic afreet. There's not anything busted you can do with these guys. Yeah, that's goof. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm fine with that. I, I do, I would have been pissed if this was the only red-blue commander in the set, but spoiler alert, yeah. it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great segue. Let's yeah. move on to uh, Rowan and Will Kenrith. So these are both planeswalkers who can be your commander and who partner with each other. Rowan Kenrith is four red red that has four starting loyalty and plus two during target player's next turn, each creature that player controls attacks if able. Minus two, Rowan Kenrith deals three damage to each tapped creature target player controls. And minus eight, target player gets an emblem with Whenever you activate an ability that isn't a mana ability, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. Note that that ability interacts with Planeswalkers pretty yes. well. Yes, oh yeah, yeah. And so Will Kenrith is uh, also a six mana Planeswalker f with four loyalty. It's, it's the kind of mirror image, it's four and two blue. Plus two, until your next turn, up to two target creatures each have base power and toughness zero three and lose all abilities. Minus two, target player draws two cards. Until your next turn, instant sorcery and planeswalker spells that player casts cost two less to cast. And then minus eight, target player gets an emblem with whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. There's a lot going on. Yeah, sorry if it's, <laughs> you, you guys might not have been able to process that yes, for us just talking for a minute straight honestly, to like, read you these cards. The, yeah, there's probably like a hundred or so words across these two cards, yeah. which is a lot for a magic card. You're always going to run them together, so it doesn't really matter which one is better than the other, but I think yeah. Will is much stronger than Rowan. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, dealing three damage, that's not the magic number in Commander. That's not going to kill a lot no. of relevant threats. Well, also, and it's only tapped things, yeah. too, so you have to figure out a way to either be tricky about it or... I mean, I mean, yes, you can make their creatures attack, but then... They're probably, I mean, they were probably happy to attack your Planeswalker anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> plus two is, is a blank. Yeah, so it's, it's that's kind of weird. The only, I, I don't really know ways. I was thinking, like, okay, you can go to them somehow, like, or or just make it unappetizing to attack you. But that's a lot. The, these two cards are asking a lot. And I think that if you can solve the mystery, you get rewarded just mm -hmm. because there's so much going on. Yeah. But so... Uh, I think Will is much stronger. I think that he might actually have a place in um, Planeswalker decks. Yeah. Super Friends. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so the plus two, it's good. It protects your Planeswalkers mm -hmm. from like the major threats, from the two biggest threats on the table. It also gives you cards. That's an important aspect of a Planeswalker, mm -hmm. of a Super Friends card. He makes your Wraths cheaper. He makes your other Planeswalkers cheaper. So I think that he is a great addition to that archetype. And then as a commander, I think Rowan is really just there to give you access to red mana. And I think that these two would yeah. build into a Spellslinger deck. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Spellslinger with some utility cards that maybe get a benefit if you ever can pop off Rowan. Mm -hmm. Which I, I can imagine like if you put a Contagion Engine or something like that, maybe eventually you can sneak it up to eight real quick or mm -hmm. something but i i i think that yeah like spell slinger is probably the best 
way to do this, but that, I, that actually makes me happy mm-hmm. because we haven't had a spell slinger that didn't just end in combo. Yeah. Until this. Well, <laughs> like, I think I think it does end in combo. <laughs> oh, with the double the double spells. You well, mean? actually, just with the I think if you're if all your spells if all your instants and sorceries cost two less to cast. Oh, okay. And it's yeah. like oh, so my time spiral costs two less. <laughs> yeah. Say yeah. My frantic search. Okay, yeah, I got you. Hmm. Yeah. That is true. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Whoops. So I think Will is just, if you ever manage to untap with Will, you probably just win. Um, <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, it costs six and is a permanent. Yeah, it's like Teferi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Teferi. Mm-hmm. Mono blue Teferi is very good. All right. So uh, those were the commanders of Battle Bond. Next week, we're going to be talking about the main deck cards from the set and also some of the spicy reprints. Yeah, there's so many, so many reprints. Uh, overall, what do you think about the evolution of the, the partner mechanic and the, the commanders of Battle Bond? Yeah, I like that they threw us a bone with partners. I think that's a cute, convenient way to do two colors. I like that the partners were the enemy pairs, where mm-hmm. we do kind of have a little bit less to work with, especially like in red-blue, which was very much lacking. I, I think partners with is a little bit clunky. I think I've kind of turned around a lot more on that after talking to more people who didn't understand it. I think the fact that it is so hard for people, it was so hard for so many people who I know who are like deeply enfranchised in the game to recognize that you could play them as partners. Mm -hmm. Like that's a bad sign. But that being said, I know like hidden, like a very, there's a very important thing that is not being said in that reminder text. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And so so with all that being said, I'm, happy with these guys like i was really expecting to get trolled and just cry and be upset at all the cards and the, the commanders in particular that were printed and just think they're really goofy or way over costed and we got kind of a little bit of that but for the most part we got some cool things we got some cool decks yeah i agree i think that it one of the things i really disliked about the initial set of partners is that they didn't focus on archetypes they, and they've made this mistake multiple times yes yeah yeah but they really need to get it into their heads yeah. that like the best thing for the commander format is many many archetypes mm-hmm. having many different decks that can be built mm-hmm. and so if you have these partner commanders what you should be doing is looking for archetypes that don't yet have commanders that could benefit from expanding their color identity that have many different combinations of colors that work with that specific theme so for example like an artifact deck you could have it be like base blue red and then expand with like a white with a white partner Mm -hmm. or with a black partner or with a white black partner Mm -hmm. or with enchantress like have it be base green white and be able to expand into black i think that's what yeah. partner should have been the first time around and instead we got a bunch of generic good stuff commanders that <laughs> just made it so you can play four color not red good stuff and like <laughs> wow i'm so glad the format has access to this now yeah it's much ooh. healthier yeah we're all loving this yeah but this time a the fact that they only partner with each other i mean it still begs the question of why not just make this a single yeah card. What, like what's the harm of having like a zinder partner yeah like Um, why why can't they partner with tesa or or not um timna who who, why would you not what's the harm in that 
Or, or also just why not make this a, a single card without partner? Why not just have be Zinderspilled and Okan the same way you have Tibor and Lumia? Yeah. I don't understand why you would partner with two specific... It makes no. It makes sense for, like, Battle Bond Limited. Yeah. But it makes no sense for... For Commander. For Commander. Yep. But they, they did find some archetypes to support any new commander that opens up an archetype hey that's great yeah zinder's build and okan opening up the coin flipping archetype yeah is cool they could have done a better job but, yes uh, yeah, it's the same but i mean i'm at this point i'm used to is it commanders that do the wrong thing for an archetype and then wizard pats themselves on the backs for hey yeah. check that box yeah <laughs> oh, <joy> <laughs> oh. but yeah I, I think that these commanders are all good they're not really good stuff they all clearly lend themselves to a certain style of play yeah and that, that was really the thing that made me happiest about them is that they all do build around a theme or yeah. like like you you each of these decks has interesting cards that aren't as good in other decks yeah which is that's what i want that's mm -hmm. like when i make a commander deck i'm looking oh i'll get to play this and this and this that's awesome as opposed to just like, well, better throw X amount of staples into this five-color deck. That doesn't. That's not as fun. Yeah, and and I would be happy to build around a couple of these decks. I think that Grothama is really sweet. Najila is sweet. I think that the hit rate for these commanders is is pretty high, and I guess that's the benefit of these kind of sets. Not only are these sets outside of standard, but mm -hmm. they're also specifically for multiplayer, so they yeah. get to do just. They got to think about, okay, what is powerful enough to be relevant in multiplayer yeah. and a fun way to build around for Commander. Yeah, and honestly, I've, a lot of these supplemental sets going forward kind of focus on that kind of thing. I'll be very happy because mm -hmm. this has been like a very good year for Commander in general with Dominaria and now Battlebond. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what this commander set looks like and yeah the, oh, we haven't heard anything we've about heard it nothing. crazy they didn't even talk about it on announcement day yeah. they're like look it's Isn't it coming out in like august so here let's let's pull up this information again and hopefully we can find a release date um release date august 10th wow that's yeah. is pretty soon that's like t two months away and we have no info on it at um, all except call on powerful planeswalkers and deploy their signature strategies to make sure you're the last player standing. Oh yeah, okay. That that is actually very straightforward. Yeah. So, they're doing planeswalker commanders again, but we have zero information. Huh, okay. Well, um I'm going to cross my fingers and yeah, hopefully we'll get some new information sometime soon so we can start speculating, but um I guess they just want to put focus on other products right now. Yeah, yeah, I have no idea. I, I know. Yeah. I, oh, you know, they might wait for San Diego Comic Con. Oh, that uh, might be what they're doing. Are they doing a panel again this year? That'd yeah, that's probably because that's around the same time. They always do a panel, or they usually do a panel. I can't and... wait to see. I hope they have like an like a creative panel because I'm really yeah. excited to see the the evolutions of the the looks of the guild yeah the the stuff we got on announcement day was great that that was actually i really liked that a lot mm -hmm. they usually do a creative panel at pax and they usually the last few years has been specifically card design and then last year especially at uh, san diego comic-con it was blogatog live mm, yeah so i'm assuming and he had preview spoils for us especially for unstable, unstable yeah. but I wouldn't doubt if it was another blog at Tog Live, but he talked about, like, gave us, threw us a little bit of a bone for a commander or something like that. Yeah. No, it's it's so strange that they would have a, 
an announcement day in late May and not touch on the product getting released less than three months later. Yeah, that is so interesting. They're like, yeah, and you know, next year there'll be a third Ravnica set. And you're like, but what else? <laughs> what else is happening? Yeah, maybe in like the November announcement day, they'll tell us what Commander 2018 is yeah. about. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> They're like, oops, uh, forgot to do that. Better late than never. <laughs> so thank you all for, for listening. We're excited to to come back next week and talk about the, the main deck cards what existing archetypes we think they'll enhance, uh, what new format staples, and I think there are a couple in this set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what new format staples are getting released in Battle Bond. So uh, come back next week, and we'll have more to talk about. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at Commander Theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at Fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check them out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time.